Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to the October 2021 CTSS quiz. I've selected 10 incredibly interesting cases for you, and so without any further delay, let's get started. In this case, I asked for what's the uh, best diagnosis for this patient with abdominal pain. And what you can see is there's a decreased attenuation in the tail of the pancreas. And I guess when you look at this, the first thing you have to think about when I see decreased attenuation always is pancreatic adenocarcinoma. If this was a neuroendocrine tumor, of course, it would be very vascular. It could be acute pancreatitis, but acute pancreatitis in the tail or classic acute pancreatitis in the tail alone would be very, very unusual. But in this case, I know I'm thinking about tumor, but the thing I also need to think about is autoimmune pancreatitis. We are seeing more cases of autoimmune pancreatitis, typically elevated IG4 levels. The thing about it, and the reason I chose this case, it can look very similar to cancer. When it involves the entire gland with a cigar shape, without the dilated pancreatic duct, then it's much easier of a diagnosis. But Autoimmune pancreatitis can be a really difficult diagnosis. Now, I will admit I would consider, obviously, first on the top of my list, pancreatic cancer here. But without a dilated duct, with focal load density, I would suggest autoimmune pancreatitis as a possibility. And in fact, this ended up being autoimmune pancreatitis. In this case, in this patient with abdominal pain, I asked what's the best diagnosis. Well, the finding is easy to see. There's a large mass which is kind of centered around the head of the pancreas region, but also around the duodenum. Now, one thing you don't see here is a dilated common duct. Now, if this was a pancreatic cancer and this large, you would surely see a dilated common duct. You see some air bubbles, and there probably is, and in fact, there is an ulcer here, but if this was a duodenal ulcer, it would be a duodenal ulcer in a tumor. It could be lymphoma, though lymphoma is more homogeneous. Duodenum is not a bad place for lymphoma, but they are most commonly in the terminal ileum. The tumor that classically occurs that's large, that ulcerates, and that simulates a pancreatic mass is going to be a gist tumor. And this indeed was a gist tumor of the duodenum. This patient presents with an acute abdomen. A CT was obtained. And the first thing you see is a dilated small bowel loop in the mid-abdomen, and there's fat within it on the image on your right, which means maybe it's an intersusception. In fact, it is an intersusception. And you know you draw fat within the intersusception, but this is just too much fat. That means you're dealing with a mass, which is a lipoma, and lipomas, although they're benign, can, when they get larger, typically over 4 or 5 cm, whether in stomach or small bowel or colon, can lead to GI bleeding. But also in the small bowel, they can intersusept, and even in the large bowel, they can intersusept. Lipomas of the cecum, for example, can be seen intersuscepting, and the next thing you know, they're sitting in the transverse colon. So yes, this is a small bowel lipoma, which is number A, it's not Crohn's, it's not malrotation. The best diagnosis is intersusception of the small bowel due to a lipoma, a very nice case. Now, small bowel intersusceptions can be intermittent. This is one that's gonna require surgery. In this patient with chest pain and shortness of breath, the best diagnosis is, well, when you look quickly, it's a pulmonary embolism, but you look a little bit more intensely to say, wow, that's the biggest saddle embolism I've ever seen. But also it expands the pulmonary artery, which PEs typically don't do. 
It's not an invasive lung cancer. Lung cancer can involve the pulmonary artery, but usually unilateral and there's a big mass growing in. Lymphoma can be bulky. It displaces the PA, not invade it. This case is a pulmonary artery sarcoma. The classic thing is a patient presents and they're diagnosed with a PE. Then they get treated and the PE doesn't get better. It's more common a female in their 40s and it's a pulmonary artery sarcoma. I think the thing that's helpful here is the expansion of the pulmonary artery. It's just too much for saddle embolism and saddle emboli do not distend the pulmonary artery. This is a great case. There's a mass in the mesentery. It's slightly enhancing. When I look carefully, I really don't see a desmoplastic reaction. Now, in reality, an enhancing mass in the mesentery, the most common thing I think about is a carcinoid tumor. But usually you see a desmoplastic reaction. Lymphoma, that's a possibility. Mesenteric masses, one mass alone, but it does occur. Now, there is a thing called Castleman's disease. That's adenopathy that's vascular. It can really be a great simulator of malignancy. You can see it in the chest and the axilla, as well as in the abdomen. And in fact, this was Castleman's disease. And the fourth thing is sclerosing mesenteritis. Now, that occurs as mesenteric masses, but about three quarters of the time they have calcification. They're not typically enhancing and smooth like this, though they can be enhancing. They can have a subtle desmoplastic reaction, but nowhere near the desmoplastic reaction of a carcinoid tumor. So when I ask you what's the least likely diagnosis, I would say you could think about carcinoid because of the lack of desmoplastic reaction, but because sclerosis mesentitis is not so smooth typically, more commonly has calcification than even carcinoid, I would say sclerosing mesenteritis is the least likely diagnosis in this case but it's a tough fight between that and a carcinoid tumor. The best diagnosis in this case, this is a very important case. When you look at the axial images, you see markedly distended small bowel with minimal ascites in the left upper quadrant. You also notice that small bowel is not enhancing and the wall is edematous. You particularly see it well on the coronal view and you really recognize you're dealing with a twist all of the small bowel is pushed to the left upper quadrant. That's the classic appearance of an internal hernia. And then from internal hernias, you get twisting and a small bowel volvulus and the decreased enhancement, the dilated bowel, the free fluid is classic for ischemic bowel. You could think about bowel obstruction. This is bowel obstruction. It's not a tumor and it's not simply an ileus. This is a surgical emergency. You need to recognize particularly that axial appearance is so classic. It's not only in the left upper quadrant I see this, I've seen this also in the right lower quadrant. So just a wonderful example of an internal hernia with mid-gut volvulus and ischemic bowel. The best diagnosis in this patient with acute abdomen and a recent visit to the doctor for high blood pressure is, well, usually in the ER setting you have acute abdomen. So you're not gonna get that high blood pressure because you look at this bowel loop, it's really thickened. And then you look at the wall, it's enhancing. You look at there's ascites present. You think in ischemic bowel. That's what I've been thinking. It doesn't look like Crohn's disease. Crohn's gives you a thickened bowel, but the appearance is not your typical concentric Crohn's thickening. Could it be lymphoma? It is somewhat bulky, but not as bulky as typically lymphoma. 
But because I gave you the, the hint of high blood pressure, this patient was put on an ACE inhibitor. And most commonly, patients on ACE inhibitors have no symptoms, but there is a set of patients where within a week, they get severe abdominal pain, basically acute abdomen with angioedema of the small bowel. Now, I've seen a case recently where the patient developed angioedema, but the patient had been on meds theoretically for five years. It's a wonderful diagnosis. There have been several articles. I know Mike Federley has written about it. But you can be a superhero when you see a patient in the ER setting with this angioedema-type appearance. Think about ACE inhibitors. Just some comments about that, and I'll just tell you a little bit more. Angioedema is the clinical description of inflammation. It's a mediated edema in the dermis and subcutaneous tissues due to increased permeability across capillaries. It usually resolves within 24 hours if you stop the medication, okay? So that becomes very, very, very important. Intestinal-related angioedema is often unrecognized. Patients get treated for acute abdomen. They get admitted to the hospital. If you could make that diagnosis... Uh, you really will be extremely helpful to that patient. ACE inhibitors are a leading cause of drug-induced angioedema in the United States, accounting for 20 to 40% of all emergency visits for angioedema annually. So just a really good diagnosis, and I thought I'd share that case with you. In this case, the least likely diagnosis in this patient with GI bleed. Well, what you see is enhancing lesion in the duodenum. It's not the pancreas, the pancreas is separate. It was in the pancreas, it'd be a neuroendocrine tumor. Now, what enhances? Well, carcinoid tumors, grade location duodenum. Gist tumors, grade location duodenum. And if you had metastatic renal cell carcinoma, meds to small bowel are often very vascular. The least likely diagnosis is lymphoma. Yes, lymphoma typically is bigger, though it can present with multiple nodules, but lymphoma does not enhance. The enhancement puts me thinking carcinoid, gist, metastasis. In fact, this was a carcinoid tumor, just so you would know that. Just a really, really nice example in this case. This patient had left lower quadrant pain. And what's the best diagnosis? Well, we see a large mass in the left lower quadrant. It's solid, it's homogeneous. The truth is it could be lymphoma. I can't argue with that. Carcinoid tumors, it's just too large and they're typically vascular. And germ cell tumors are typically cystic in nature. Now, in terms of lymphoma, having a large round mass, I guess it's possible. But this was a desmoid tumor. There were no other findings in this patient. Desmoid tumors are more common in patients with Gardner syndrome, but they can occur as a retroperitoneal mass in patients. They can displace bowel. They can involve bowel. They can be very difficult to resect. In this teenager with shoulder pain, the best diagnosis is, this is an impressive case. You see a destructive lesion with extensive what looks like periosteal or bony reaction and the medullary component of the bone is infiltrated and there's dense sclerotic changes. This is an osteoblastic type process. You can think about a metastatic tumor, but this type of appearance is not what you see with metastasis. Chondrosarcoma is a large mass of bone destruction, but not this type of bony reaction. And this is not the appearance of lymphoma. The lymphoma, 
you can get stress fractures in a periosteal reaction. This is a classic example of an osteosarcoma of the humerus. Very good location. The bony changes. Everything gives you the answer of osteosarcoma. Well, those were 10 absolutely terrific cases. I hope you got the answers right, but more importantly, I hope you learned something. And with that, I'll see you next month. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.